This is Reset. I'm Susie on in for Sasha Ann Simons. Seniors have had to endure many challenges during the pandemic over the past two years. They've been at much higher risk of becoming ill or dying from COVID-19, which meant they had no choice but to spend most of their time at home away from loved ones. But now that COVID cases and hospitalizations are on the decline nationwide, what does the future look like for this population? And how has the pandemic shaped the outlook for a senior living industry? Joining us now to discuss this and more is Gus Noble. He is the president of Chicago Scots and Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care in West Suburban North Riverside. Gus, welcome back to Reset. Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, Well, Caledonia went into lockdown about two years ago. Um, Take us back to that time. It was March uh, 2020, and we we uh, realized that what was about to happen was of incredible significance. So we locked the the front door of our legacy building at Caledonia called the Scottish Home, and it was the first time in 104 years we'd locked the door, and we took this community, which is like a little Maybury in the woods. We all know one another. No doors were locked. We, we you know, people came and go as they pleased into a totally different um, uh, uh, setting. Uh, and I recall when the, the lock turned, there was a, an eerie crunch of the lock uh, bolts snapping into place. One of our team said something that really set the tone for what we were about to do. And it was that if we overreact to this crisis, we will probably never know. But if we underreact, we'll know immediately. And so we um, adopted an extremely cautious uh, approach to lockdown. Yeah. Since then, what challenges have residents faced and, and how have they adapted to those challenges? You know, it's, it's it, what I've noticed is since that day, the challenge has evolved as the crisis has evolved. And at first we were dealing with fear. We were dealing with um, the unknown, what was about to happen. And then pretty quickly we dealt with social isolation and loneliness and being separated from family and loved ones. Uh, Then there was depression and and mental uh, challenges, mental illness, social uh, Mm. uh, well-being became something very important. Um, we've dealt with anger. Uh, there, there have been all sorts of um, challenges to the way that the people who live and work at this community have felt. But we've responded. Um, what, what I did um, in the earliest days of the crisis was I moved into the Scottish home for, for a time and um, I realised that, that cutting the number of uh, footfall across the, the threshold of the building was important. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to be seen by the people who live and work here because um, I, I knew that I needed to make personal commitments to everyone. Yeah. That if, if we protect ourselves, it's the best way of protecting our, everyone else in the community. So I consulted our archives that I have in my office here. We're the oldest charity in Illinois and we have archives going back to 1871. Everything that was um, we held before then was lost, unfortunately, in the fire. But what I heard uh, coming through loud and clear from these archives, which detailed our approach to overcoming challenges like world wars, uh, the Great Fire of Chicago, the uh, Great Depression, the, the Great Recession, and the 1918 flu pandemic, was fundamentally what people need is something that makes them feel 
uncommodified. Mm -hmm. They need feelings of home and family and love. So we use those three very simple but very human feelings as the, the uh, foundation upon which our reopening plan was built. And we brought those um, to, to the solutions for all of the challenges I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Well, do you feel like things are looking up for seniors as cases and hospitalizations are declining now? Uh, yes, in a way, uh, very, very much. Um, I, I'm also um, mindful that we, uh, if you give a Scotsman your attention for long enough, uh, he'll quote Robert Burns, fair warning, here it comes, <laughs> the best laid schemes of mice and men gang after glaze. So just as we, um, in the, the early part of the summer, in, in July, we, we conceived of the future, we began to think of this perpetual state of today that lockdown was. We were seeing beyond it uh, as numbers came down. And we, we welcome visitors back into the community. And I saw our, the first resident hug their daughter when mm -hmm. she came in. It was such an important moment. So we began to feel hope and and something new. But, but then Delta, yeah. then Omicron, and we were snatched away from these feelings of, of hope and into um, something that I, I saw residents having to shelter in place. And they had these incredible looks of sadness mm -hmm. in their eyes above the masks. But I, I want to say something important, you know, behind the locked doors of this community, and I know it happens to other communities, I've seen every day, just as we face challenges and these feelings of sadness, I see far more grace and dignity and beauty in communities like ours. And that's because of the incredible commitment of the staff uh, and the residents in, in communities like ours. I, I have my faith in the human spirit buoyed every day. Mm. Well, you know, you've you've mentioned the sort of up and, and down with uh, the pandemic of things reopening and then having to kind of close back up again. What is the latest on Caledonia's reopening plan? We're now um, welcoming visitors back into the community. And of course, we're, although the state is saying um, we should get ready to take off our masks, we're, we're going to lag, certainly, um, for, for the foreseeable future. We're, we're going to have everybody wearing masks and um, helping protect one another. In fact, that phrase, protect Caledonia, was something that we, we, um, we created a pledge that everybody coming into the campus is asked to sign. Both We give them a, a paper copy, but we also have this big notice board in the lobby. And it articulates everything that the, the residents and staff have been doing for almost two years now that underpinned our, our great record of safety. And we're inviting any, any visitor that comes in to also uh, sign the, the, the pledge and, and commit to protect one another. That's helped us conceive of tomorrow, that, mm -hmm. that, that we uh, have begun to, to look more, more into the future. Um, we see a different type of challenge. Uh, staffing yes. uh, is a huge challenge right now, um, not just here, but again across the industry. Mm -hmm. And financial challenges are, are always going to be there, but presented in different ways as we move forward. We've had to take on a lot of additional costs for mm -hmm. infection control, technology, equipment, and so on. And, and certainly the government support has been very, very important. But um, for small standalone not-for-profit communities like ours, the financial challenges of operation 
are, are, are really uh, quite real and, and, and uh, significant. So very early on in the crisis, the first week, uh, uh, we got together um, Caledonia's leadership with uh, the CEOs of four other nursing homes and mm-hmm. uh, retirement communities in the area, Plymouth Place, Cantata, um, King Brevar House in Burr Ridge and Central Baptist Village. And the CEOs, we all linked elbows and said, we may have been competitors yesterday, but we must collaborate in order to survive and thrive in the future. And the first challenge was um, on our weekly phone calls, where do we source PPE? Where do we get testing? That then evolved into how do we get uh, over these significant staffing challenges? And now we're beginning to look at the scale of our business and how can we help one another share supplies and services and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very interesting. Um, as we wrap here, from your perspective, what does the future hold for senior living communities like yours? It's it's, it's quite simple. You know, I think the, the world has seen the, the beauty of communities like ours, the value, the care, and, and people who work in these communities, yes, it, it's more than a job. They have a calling to care. But just as they care for us, we must do all we can to care for them in the future. And that starts with raising the the, uh, pay rates that we we offer to them. You're listening to Reset. I'm Susie on in for Sasha Ann Simons. And we're talking about the pandemic's impact on older adults and what the future holds for senior living. We've been speaking with Gus Noble, president of Chicago Scots and Caledonia Senior Living and Memory Care in West Suburban North Riverside. Gus, thanks so much for the update. You bet. Thank you. Let's turn now to an expert in senior housing and care. Joining us now is Beth Burnham-Mace, Chief Economist and Director of Outreach at the National Investment Center. Beth, welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me, Susie. First, uh, tell us more about the center's mission. Yes, I definitely will. I just want to mention, since today is 2-2-2-2-2, I have to say to the audience, happy Tuesday. Um, but in terms of NIC, uh, National Investment Center for Seniors Housing and Care, we're a 501c3 not-for-profit organization, and our mission really is to support care and housing for older adults. And we do this by providing data, analytics, and connections that bring together both investors and providers. And, you know, we just heard from one senior living community in our area about the impact the pandemic has had on residents there. Uh, broaden the picture for us. What national trends are you seeing? Yeah, it was really interesting. What Gus was saying was pretty much uh, in line with everything that I've been hearing. I'm at a position where I get to talk to a lot of operators and a lot of financiers into the industry, and pretty much what he was saying was totally on target with what I know. Um, You know, the seniors, um, they proved to be the most vulnerable population, really, for COVID-19. We know that over 26% of the deaths occurred for those over age 85. And senior housing, because by definition that the senior housing actually housed seniors, uh, they were particularly vulnerable as well. And so we saw some pretty significant impacts in seniors housing in terms of a slowdown in movement rates and a drop in overall occupancy rates for most um, people who manage senior housing properties. How has the pandemic shaped the senior living sector's approach to handling public health crises? Well, I think that uh, certainly the industry is much better prepared today for contagious infections than they were prior to the pandemic with all the different types of infection control um, protocols that have been put in place and PPE, a lot of contingency planning for crises, well-trained staff. 
And we actually saw that most recently with the Omicron, that in terms of the incidence of fatalities in uh, skilled nursing properties in particular, that it dropped dramatically from where we were early on in the first spike of the uh, fall 2020 spike. So the number of people that actually uh, passed away from COVID definitely declined. And that reflects a couple of things, certainly the vaccinations that came out um, in December of 2020, and also the fact that just operators are much more prepared um, to take care of, uh, you know, to protect their residents from getting infected. What do you think the pandemic revealed about what's working in senior living communities? Um, well, I think there's actually a lot of things that are working pretty well um, in senior housing communities right now. Um, certainly, um, the protocol plans that have been put in place, certainly the socialization aspects of senior housing that Gus even mentioned as well, really we showed how important that was. Um, you know, there's been studies that show that the risk of social isolation and loneliness can be the equivalent to smoking like 15 cigarettes a yes, day. Yes, yeah. So, so one of the benefits really is the socialization. And, you know, the value proposition really for senior housing is safety, security, socialization, engagement, room and board, care coordination, and lifestyle. And I think the combination of those really came through during uh, COVID. And, you know, we heard about um, the staffing shortages at Caledonia, uh, but this is, of course, an issue for the entire sector. What's behind the shortage and, and what can be done to address it? It's it's a significant issue. We know that, you know, nationally, the unemployment rate went from 3.5% prior to the pandemic, then 14.7%. Now it's in the 4% range. There's simply fewer workers that are available. People are employed, which is good, right? People are employed. But the flip side is that if you're looking to hire, it's more difficult to, in fact, hire right now with the, the labor force shrank during COVID number of workers, a lot of retirees dropped out of the workforce and haven't come back in. So I think, again, to what Gus had said, I think it's really important that we point out that working in a senior housing community is is different than working in flipping burgers or something. It's a mission of the heart. Yeah. And, it's, and people that are called to it are doing that because it's more than just a job. So I think emphasis on that and I think emphasis on corporate culture, emphasis on the idea that you can create a career path and mentor younger people especially um, it would be really important as we figure out how to bring people and workers back into our sector. And then the last thing is really to really appreciate who it is that we're taking care of. Mm-hmm. I view residents of senior housing as wisdom keepers, and, you know, they have, they have a lot to share. They've had a lot of experience in life. So, um, you know, I, I know I love being when I can be around older people because I learned so much from them. And I put this question to Gus as well, but uh, what does the future hold for senior living and, and how has the pandemic affected that outlook? Um, I think the future for senior living is quite positive and um, it's going to be continue to grow. If for no other reason, just the sheer demographics. In um, If you look at the population of people who are over 80, in the year 2027, we'll have a million new people that join that population cohort. That compares with about 325,000 in the year 2021. So the, the, just because of the demographics alone holds great promise. And then the second piece, which is really interesting, which is also based on the demographics, are the, is something called the caregiver support ratio. Mm-hmm. And that looks at the number of caregivers to every person who's over 80. And a caregiver here I'm defining is like the adult children. So that would be someone who's 45 to 64. And that ratio drops from six to one. So six adult children to everyone over 80 in the year 2021 to four to one by 2029. 
So the idea of being able to stay home and be taken care of by your children, is it's disappearing, and we're going to need congregate settings in, to offset that change in demographics. That's Beth Burnham-Mace with the National Investment Center for Senior Housing and Care. Beth, thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.